Well, it's uh, good to be with you, and we're wrapping up this series on uh, This Is What We Do, talking about what the Bible says about money, and it actually is something it says a lot about. Um, but before we talk about that, just another way that you can be generous, we give because he gave, is uh, by, by serving and volunteering. And kids' ministry is one of those areas that wanted to highlight. We, we highlight a different ministry area every two months. And uh, so if you want to be, what we need right now is during this service, third and fourth grade small group leader. Um, also need a um, fours and five substitute, so it wouldn't be every week. Actually, with, with all kids ministry, if you want to do it every week, you can do it every week. But if you want to do it like once a month or whatever your schedule is, every other week, something like that, um, there's definitely flexibility that we can do that. One of the things especially we need is a um, special needs helper or buddy. And so we, we have special needs kids that are with all the other kids, but they really need someone one-on-one -on -one attention. The other Sunday saw one making a break for it. And uh, her buddy was right behind her, and she like corralled her, and all right, now we're going to go this way. And, um, and just, it's just cool, the volunteers we have. And um, if you want to help with that, you can shoot this QR code, if, even if you're uh, in Hancock. Um, if you're online, there's other ways that you can, they have a, a link in the chat that you can go to as well. Or you can talk to anybody with one of those blue and white name tags after the service, and they will direct you of how you can volunteer and sign up for that. So, um, but we're talking about giving, and I uh, was reminded uh, of, of a money thing that was going on in my life when Becky and I first were married. Out, out of seminary, after I graduated from seminary, I, I was a pastor up in Johnson City, and I made $500 a week. And Becky volunteered at the church. Actually, she was like a, a secretary there, but that was like, they didn't pay us for that. Um, and so that was our income, $500 a week. And we had a goal to buy a house. And uh, this is actually the house that we eventually bought, 510 Grand Ave. And uh, it was in a nice neighborhood. Um, since we moved out, there's been two murders on the street. But um, that, <laughs> just, you know, it's because we moved. But no. Um, but anyway, so, so we made financial decisions because we wanted to buy a house. Right, so for, for a while we were just saving everything we could, and that meant like we had um, skim milk sometimes, or worse. You know, there's only one thing worse than skim milk: powdered milk. Yeah, evaporated milk. And actually now it's more expensive, but back then it was cheaper, and so we'd use that. And we had oatmeal for breakfast because a lot of times, you know, we couldn't, you know, cereal wasn't on sale, and oatmeal was all we could afford. And 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 we just made choices, and so even we we had one car, a little Ford Escort, and we thought, oh, it'd be nice to have two cars. But we didn't buy it because if we bought a car, then we wouldn't have all that money for the deposit. And and so we just saved everything. I would walk a mile to church, you know, because Becky would use the car for groceries or need it for something. And and we just did we did what any normal human being here would do. Maybe to that not that extent, maybe more even than we did. But we delayed gratification. We said, we're, we're going to put off what we could have now so we can have something better that we want later. And sure enough, we were able to buy this house, 1,200 square feet, for $55,000 in 1997, something like that. And uh, now it's actually for sale. You can buy it for $150,000. So I wish you could buy a $55,000 livable house today. But... Um, 
looks the same. The tree wasn't there. Just got to point that out. All right, so Jesus, though, is basically saying the same thing. He's saying, just like we do this in everyday life, we put off what we want now for something that's better later, right? We would, we would get the, the day-old bagels that were at Davis College, and I, I would have those for lunch, right? We put off what, what we could have now for, for something better you want later, and that's what he's talking about here in Matthew on what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And this is kind of the middle of it, but he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. This is my summary of that passage. And Randy Alcorn wrote a book, The Treasure Principle. I think I got it from that, but it's a great book. But what Jesus is saying is not that giving to God's work and giving to what God wants to do in this world and compassion for others and generosity for the poor. He's not just saying that's the right thing to do, which it is. We all know that. It's a good thing, moral thing, right thing. It's what I should do. He's saying it's not just that. It's actually the smart thing to do. In fact, here's here's what he's saying. He's saying, what if if I... um, came to you and I said, I got a hundred bucks and here's your choice. I can either give you a hundred bucks right now or next Sunday you come back and I'll give you a million dollars. Who would go for the hundred dollars instead of the million? Raise your hand. Okay, first service, there's one guy. And uh, he, that, he, uh, that was because he didn't think I had a million, but he saw the hundred right now and he wanted it. Um, anyway, but... But yeah, who would do that? That would be foolish. That would be so stupid. Just wait a week and you can have a million. Why Why 100? And in fact, you might be argumentative and you might say, well, some people need that 100 right now. No, I would go a week without food. Like I'd, if I was homeless and I needed that 100 right now, if I knew I'm going to get a million in a week, I, I'd stay in the emergency room so I didn't freeze to death, right? In the lobby there. And then I'd go somewhere else and I'd, you know, I would, I would do whatever I could do. So a week, I'd need it even more, right? That million. That's what Jesus is saying, only it's worse than that. He's saying you can have this 100 bucks now and a week from now I'll have it back and I'll take it all back. Or you can wait a week and permanently have a million dollars. Like he's saying heaven is so, we we tend to think that this world is what's solid, right? This this is what, and, and eternity and heaven is kind of fuzzy and you know, kind of the, that's the shadow, right? To go over to the other side. But the truth is the exact opposite. This is the shadow life. This is where nothing is permanent, where everything is on loan. It's the next life that's real and permanent. And, and a, a way to say this is we need to live for the line. Now, what that means, and I have my lovely assistant, Joel, who will help me with this, hopefully, and we won't mess it up like I did in the first service. But um, did I mess it up already? No, yet, maybe. All right, so Pastor Aaron Patton let me borrow one of his climbing ropes. Um, He does trees. Uh, This rope is 100 feet long. 
In fact, if you're here, Joe, grab that. There we go. Some of you can, Amy, grab it. A couple of you, you can grab this rope and, and just, just picture this with me. Um, okay, this rope represents eternity. And this hair in my hand represents how long your life will be. Actually, there's a hair here. It looks like a dog hair. Well, we're not going to use that because you can't see it anyway. We'll just say this black tape that I put around it. This represents 100 years of life. For some of you, it'll be shorter. All right. Boy, you guys are... Boy, it's still going around. Some of you, it'll be shorter, but 100 years of your life right here. What is the smart thing to live for? This much or the line? Right? What, what Jesus is trying to explain to us is something that is really, really obvious, but yet we need to be reminded of daily. And we need to be reminded of this because there are entire industries that are, that are screaming at you and shouting at you and communicating to you all the time about the exact opposite. It's called advertising, right? Over $100 billion is spent annually worldwide, easily, hundreds of billions probably, trying to get you to live for this, communicating to you that this is all that's important. Now, if you're here and you don't believe in God, then, then maybe this is it. You know, cut that with scissors and that's it. But if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and, and you believe, or maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus Christ, but you believe that there's going to be a life after this one and you're just trying to figure out what that is and what that's about and how to use it well, then you would agree as well. Like, live for the line. That's why we, we gave out these little wrist, wristband things on your way in. I actually hate these things. I don't know why. They just annoy me. I tried wearing it this week, and it bugged me, and so I took it off. But I am going to wear this all week, right? And I want to encourage you to wear this all week. After this week, you can throw it away, okay, if you don't want to keep doing that. But just to remind yourself, there's a little dot on it. That dot represents your life, and the line is eternity, are you living, are you a dot liver? Are you living for the line? Because Jesus said it's not just the right thing to think about others and to think about God and to live for eternity instead of the here and now. It's the smart thing to do. Here's, here's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes about money. And so I, I'm talking to those of you who maybe were in my position and you had to eat oatmeal or you have to eat oatmeal now because it's the only thing you can afford, you know, in the 50-pound bags or, or, or whatever. But, but Solomon's going to talk to the multi-billionaires in here and everybody in between. Here's what he says. He says, 2,900 years ago at Ecclesiastes 5.10, those who love money will never have enough. My wife Becky actually sent me a, a link this morning from a news article that was a complete lie. It said, money can buy happiness. That was the title. It just will be more than you think. And they went and they asked people, how much money would it take, do you think, for you to be happy? Which is a dumb question because everybody's going to say, most people are going to say more, but then once they get to that amount, then they'll say even more. It's always this moving target. But they found out that the average American today, it's $1.2 million dollars. Unless you're a millennial, millennials are from their upper 20s to early 40s, okay? Millennials said 1.7 million. 
And then they ask, you know, how much money would you need annually in salary for you to be happy? And this is crazy. Average person said $285,000 a year. That'll make me happy. Unless you're a millennial, then it was $525,000. And they've done this survey for decades. And I remember reading it before, but there's something I've noticed that has been happening over the last several years. And that is the average salary. It used to be it was like 50% more than the average salary. People would say, that was enough for me to be happy. Then it was twice as much as the average salary. Then it was three. Now, if you're a millennial, it's over seven times as much as your, the average salary in the United States, and that'll make me happy. And it's a great scam by Satan because you'll never probably make that much, which means you'll never realize that, no, that won't make you happy either. And, and there is a degree of, of happiness and peace that comes from having bills paid and, and not living paycheck to paycheck. And if you are interested in, in that being your life, we are going to start a Financial Peace University class um, the second, so I think it's January 14th. And you can sign up for that at the Welcome Center um, or you can uh, post something online or, or uh, if you're in Hancock, you can just talk to someone. We can maybe figure out an online one you can attend. But, but ultimately, here, here's what some other people said beyond Solomon. Actually, let me finish what Solomon said. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. This is a multi-billionaire. The more you have, this next statement, if you are a multi-millionaire here today, you will chuckle and say, that's absolutely true, okay? Here's the statement. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. We don't have as many multimillionaires as we did in the first service. More people left. Um, more people will spend it. So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. But the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. And then there's another serious problem I've seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. And then sometimes money is put into a risky investment that turns sour and everything's lost. And in the end, there's nothing less to pass on to one's children. We all came to the end of our lives. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. That's so obviously true. In fact, Becky works at Interfaith. And um, she's reminded of this truth every single week. Someday she comes home and she says, oh, it's just so sad today. I'm like, why? What, what do you mean? What happened? Bud Wilcox's kids came in with his stuff because he had passed away. What a nice, what a white, great guy. And she'll just say, yes, I, I, we, I, I could tell what this was. This donation group, I, I could tell, 50 pairs of polyester stretch pants. I know what happened here. Someone passed away, and honestly, sometimes they take almost everything, and they just get rid of it. Give it to Interfaith, give it, you know, get, throw it in a dumpster. Remembered when a woman next door to us passed away. They rented a dumpster, and they filled it. Live for the line, not for the dot. Because you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. <laughs> Here's the 
Here's what uh, some more modern people have said about this. The care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There's no pleasure in it. Late 1800s, Vanderbilt. Early 1900s, I've made many millions, but they've brought me no happiness. And this is a little bit more recent. Friends star, Matthew Perry, I realize the American dream is not making me happy, not filling the holes in my life. Fame doesn't do what you think it's going to do. It was all a trick. Paid over a million dollars for every single episode he filmed, and he said, it just didn't make me happy. Struggled with drug addiction, the, the, the stress of having to stand up in front of a crowd and make them laugh. He said, it just, it just, it just wasn't what I thought it, it would be. Live for the line. Um, money was never meant to rule us, and money was always meant to be taken away from you. Always. It's the point. Why do I have health? Why do I have time? Why do I have money for the line? Not, not for this. Jesus goes on to say, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? What do you really, really love? Where is your heart today? Well, our hearts is deceptive and we can believe that our hearts are somewhere where they're not really at. And so Jesus is saying, I'll give you a, 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 a tool so that you'll always know, foolproof way of knowing where your heart is. Just look where your treasure is. Where are you putting money? That's where your heart is. Foolproof. You won't be able to deceive yourself because the heart really is deceptive and we want to say, oh no, I love this. But if you spend money over here, that's what you love. I, I learned this lesson back in 2018. Um, I, I uh, started obsessing about metal. Metal is cool. And some of it's really dense, really heavy, especially tungsten. Actually, platinum even more, but it's really expensive. But, so tungsten is, is, is as heavy as gold. One cubic foot of tungsten weighs 1,200 pounds. One cubic foot. And so I thought, oh, that is so cool. And it's as heavy as gold. If you ever see a movie and they're like throwing gold bars to their partner... It's not gold. <laughs> gold, gold is stinking heavy, you know. And tungsten is just as heavy as gold. And so I looked online, and there, there were tungsten rods used industrially, tungsten different things. And I, I decided, a tungsten cube, wouldn't that be cool? Two inches square, over five pounds. Feels like you got a magnet pulling you down. Oh, that would be so cool. And I kept looking at sites and watching things and looking at it and looking at it. And what did I do eventually? I bought it. Here's why. This is what Jesus says in the next verse. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you have is actually darkness, the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. The eye is a window to the soul. Whatever you look at, whatever you put in front of your eyes is what you will desire. 
And what you will desire is where your heart will be. And that's where your treasure is going to follow. And so I learned, because I did buy my two-inch tungsten cube for $289. And do you know what it does? It does a great sermon illustration. <laughs> no. Yeah, it does nothing. It's actually a paperweight. It's a $300 paperweight. Actually, it's worse than that. I looked it up to yesterday. It's a $500 paperweight now. And I've used it, actually, on Christmas in, in Montrose to hold down the napkins so they don't fly away in the wind. And now I don't think I can even use it because you all know it's worth 500 bucks. <laughs> you know, and so, like... But I learned, like, don't do that again. Don't obsess. Don't look at. Don't look at again. Don't look at. Look at. Look at. Look at. Look at. Because the eye, whatever you, you let through your eyes is going to filter into your hearts. And if you look at light, then if you look at things that are eternal and you're like, oh, it'd be so great to be able to do that. And if God could do that through me, and if, oh, man, that's what I want, then your, your, your heart will be filled with light. But if you get down here and you're looking in the dark, and, and tungsten isn't, it's nice and shiny. It's not dark. It's all going away, right? It's all going away. He goes on and continues. He says, Actually, this is, this is where most of his talk on money, he talks about you can't serve God and money, right? You, you, it's the rival God. But most of his talk on money actually is about fear. He says, no one can serve two masters for you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And that's really true. We, we want, I want this to say, if you're really shrewd, you can have both. You can serve God and serve money and our life just needs to be this balance. Jesus is not talking about balance. He's saying, no, it, it, we need to live for this. You don't balance your life between this and this. You, you just live for this. Live for eternity, live for the line. And he starts talking about fear then. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Isn't it? The greatest things in your life, food and clothing, so much more. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they? And can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderful, wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. What dominates your thoughts? Food, clothes, stuff. If that's what dominates your thoughts, you're an unbeliever. You're a non-truster in God. You're living, you're living for the dot. And he, Jesus just wants us to lift up our eyes and see beyond that. And so here's how he concludes um, 
this, this, this part. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Right? He's, he's saying, you know, a lot of times we have this, I talked about this last week a little bit, we have this win-lose mentality. Uh, it's called a zero-sum game. Right? If I get $10, that means you or somebody has to have $10 less. Right? If I score one point, that means I'm one point ahead of you and you're one point behind. It always equals out to zero. Right? Any gain I may have is a loss to someone else. It always has to equal zero. That's a zero-sum game. It's the way we think because we're finite. But we live under an infinite God who's created us in his image, and the world is not a zero-sum game. How much resources were there in the world when there was only 100 million people? The same amount there is now when there's 8 billion people. There's 80 times more people now than when there's 100 million, so that means we're 80 times poorer, right? No! We're literally thousands of times richer! Well, what kind of math is that? That's God math. It's the math not of scarcity, but of abundance. Where God says, actually, when you sacrifice to give to someone else, it's not that I lose and they win. You both win. That's what God wants. He's saying, and he's saying, you know what? When you live for the line, not only do you win the line, but you win the dot too. Aim for heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim for earth and you get neither. Satan's great bait and switch program to have you live for the dot and then you wind up not even getting the dot and just going around a hamster wheel in your life. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need in this life. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He came to this conclusion as well, and he was writing this letter to a church in Philippi, Greece. And he said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I consider, yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Live for the line. Not just the right thing. It's the smart thing. There's, there's three ways we talked about doing that as far as giving. Um, there's flip-flop giving. That's giving regularly. Um, it's way better than barefoot. Most, most people, most Americans never do this. They never even get to flip-flops, right? We're in a barefoot giving world. <laughs> in fact, you, you know, I, I kind of make fun of Americans, not make fun, but disparage. Americans on average give 2.8% of their income to charity. Um, I saw a study about China and it said they gave like 0.3%. And the person who was reporting on it said, I'm Chinese and I think that's an exaggeration. <laughs> And so this is a global problem. This is not just an American problem, but flip-flop giving. Every time you get money, give something away. And kids, Christmas is coming. Whatever you get for Christmas, give some of it away to someone. 
right? Just, just get in the habit when you're young. Every time I receive, I need to give something away. Maybe you make $1,000 a week. Every time you get that paycheck, give 10 bucks. It, it doesn't matter. Whatever, something. Just start that moving that muscle of generosity. We give because he gave. Jesus gave his life. God gave us everything we have. And we need to learn to give. So flip-flop giving is great. And then the next step, maybe you're already doing this and you're giving on a regular basis. The next step might be proportionate giving. That means giving a percentage, maybe 10%, maybe 15, maybe, maybe 20, whatever that is. You say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit a percentage and, and I'm gonna give all of that away. And again, sneakers, way better than flip-flops. Flip-flops are better than nothing, but sneakers you can wear this time of year. I mean, you can go... You, you can go, go places, and you can go faster in sneakers. does mean you'll have to change your life. You'll have to start wearing socks. And if you're wearing socks, you're going to have to wash your feet a lot more. Okay? And, 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 and things like that. Well, maybe not. Flip-flops, you need to wash your feet. And then the third step is what I'm preaching in today. So I'm glad I did flip-flops the first week because it's really cold now. Hiking boots. If you really want an adventurous life, you wear hiking boots. Again, this is a lifestyle change. I, I ran in from my car this morning because I just do that. Um, 100, 100 feet is fun to run. Anything longer hurts. Um, but I ran in with these things on and I'm like, man, they're heavy. But yet I can go places. I don't know how many of you have gone hiking and you've gotten to the top of a mountain and you look out at God's creation, at hill after hill of, of green beauty and lakes and then the sunset in the background. And it's beautiful. And giving sacrificially is an adventure. It, 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 does, it does change some things. It does mean you gotta trust. You gotta trust God in ways that you might not have to trust him with sneaker giving or flip-flop giving but it's an adventure, I think, that God is calling us to. So what's your next step? I hope um, you take it. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your generosity to us. And uh, I just thank you for these words that are so obvious, but yet are so difficult to really grasp and live out. God, help us to be livers for the line and not for the dot. God, help us to see the needs around us that we can meet. Help us to see what we don't need in our own life so we can meet those needs in the lives of others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.